Welcome to Audio Drama Showcase by Legendsmith Productions. I'm Scooter, and with me, I have Thomas Sixton. How's it going? Chris G. Hey there. And Max Baskin. Yo. Today we'll be listening to Neon Knights, The Arcane Files of Jack Tracer, produced by Will Snyder and Rachel Craig, which premiered in 2016. Will and Rachel decided to start an audio drama after things didn't go well as cast members and other productions. The general theme for this show was inspired by The Silver Shroud, which is an audio drama within the video game Fallout 4. This episode is called Case of the Haunted Past, originally published on March 13th, 2017. You can contribute at www.patreon.com slash Productions. We thank you for your continued support. Okay, let's get started. Hello listeners, Rachel Craig here, co-creator of Neon Knights, The Arcane Files of Jack Tracer. This is going to be a special flashback episode of Neon Knights as we build to our season finale. In this episode, you will be meeting Jack's former partner, Sam Marlowe, a young Mickey Flynn, and hearing the event that led to all the strange happenings that Jack has been experiencing throughout this first season. So sit back, relax, and enjoy The Case of the Haunted Past. In the top drawer of my desk, there's a badge. A detective shield for the Neon City Police Department. The badge which I keep polished is a reminder. It reminds me that there are things in this world that I cannot explain. Things that most people couldn't understand. I learned these lessons the hard way. And they play in my mind skipping record. Welcome to Neon City, where the lights are bright but darkness looms. Where Detective Jack Tracer spends his evenings investigating the strange, eerie, and unknown. What secrets lay hidden just beyond the street lamps? Find out on Neon Nights, the arcane files of Jack Tracer. It was a cloudless morning in Neon City, the kind of morning that makes you feel like nothing can go wrong. I had been with the Neon City PD for a while at that point, worked my way up to detective. On this particular morning, I was getting coffee with my partner of five years, Sam Marlowe. Come on, Sam. You didn't tell the captain what you saw. Oh, no. And what exactly did you see? You'll laugh. Probably. Well, you know, you were there, Jack. This was at the old abandoned Wainwright place? The B&E from last week? Yeah. I'd gone upstairs to check out the upper rooms. And you screamed. I shouted. Another cup for the boys in blue? I shouldn't. Wife keeps telling me to cut back. Come on. Another cup won't kill you. Tell that to my doctor. We'll both take a refill. (laughs) Sure thing. Thanks. No problem. Just holler if you need something. You screamed. I saw a ghost. Not a chance. How would you know? You saw a shadow, and you screamed. You weren't there. 
You didn't see what I saw. Sam, nobody saw what you think you saw. What you think you saw doesn't exist. One of these days, you're going to have to learn that there are things out there that you just don't understand. I understand that telling the captain that you saw a ghost is a good way to get sent to the station shrink. That's why I didn't tell him. Smart. That scream, though. Shut up. <laughs> you got quite a pair of lungs, Sam. You're not going to let this go, huh? Probably not. I know what I saw. And what did this ghost look like? I don't know. Like like a shadow. So it wasn't a ghost at all? No, it was. It's hard, it's hard to explain. It, it was a shadow, but it was darker than the other shadows. And it moved. So this person... Ghost. I'm not calling it that. This person... What was it doing? Nothing, but... What? I think it was looking at me. It was at the end of the hall. I saw it, and I was sure that it saw me. So... You screamed. Yelled. I yelled for you, but it was gone before you got there. You said it was nothing. I thought it was. But now, I I don't know. I keep getting this strange feeling that someone is... Watching me. Uh huh. Check, please. Do you want to drive? Is that the new guy? Yeah, looks like him. Hey, rookie. Detective Tracer, Detective Marlowe. Officer, uh... Flynn! Mickey Flynn! Mickey hadn't been on the force long. I'm ashamed to admit it, but... I barely remember meeting the guy. Police detectives and B-cops weren't exactly hostile, but... We didn't go out of our way to fraternize, either. Nothing personal. Just an unspoken rule. You... working the beat here? Actually, I was... hoping... I could take you up on your offer. Offer? Last week, remember? You said I could ride along on your next big call. I've got my eyes on making detectives someday, and... Hmm... Sam? Yeah? We got anything, uh... Big coming up? Oh, yeah. The captain wanted us to look into some counterfeit jewelry floating around uptown. Right, right. Some big-time fraud ring. Uh, Could be a high-profile case. Stakeouts, undercover work, confidential informants. Something like that could really make or break... A career. Great! When do we go? I'm not proud of everything I did in those days. I was a different person then. I was set in my ways, I thought I had my life planned out, and I thought I knew what was what. So here I had this rookie standing before me like a hungry man at a soup kitchen, and I didn't have time to babysit some snot-nosed crossing guard with a gun. I don't know, rookie. Don't you have parking tickets to give out? I, everyone starts at the bottom, Officer Flynn. Keep your head down and stay in your own lane. I think what my partner means is, don't rush. You want to be a detective? Do your work. Do it well. You want to ride along with us? Put in a request at the station. Right. Of course. I'm sorry I bothered you, Bruce. Calling all cars. Calling all cars. We are receiving reports of a fire on corner of 13th and Maltese Avenue. Fate Sisters Thread Factory. I repeat, all cars to the corner of 13th and Maltese. We gotta go, Officer Flynn. Put in that request at the station. Right. And don't worry. Jack's bark's worse than his bite. Come on, Sam. 
Sam and I drove to the old building. The Freight Sisters Thread Factory was one of the oldest warehouses in the industrial district of Neon City. It looked identical to all the other large factories in the area, save for a giant mural on the side of the building that depicted three sisters dressed like extras out of a Cecil B. DeMille film. The sisters appeared to be taking great care of a single piece of thread. At least, that's what it used to look like. By the time Sam and I arrived, the mural had been all but engulfed in an inferno. Sam parked the car near the rest of the emergency vehicles that had arrived on the scene. A firefighter emerged from the building with a soot-covered woman in a work uniform. She looked distressed and kept fighting the firefighter's grasp as he led her clear the flames. My daughter! You don't understand. My daughter is in there. Ma'am. Yes? Where is she? Which floor? Third. She's on the third floor. She was sick and wanted to come with me. Sam? Find the stairs. Over here. Alright. Watch out. These steps could go at any moment. Sam! Gotcha. Thanks. <laughs> I'm alright. I owe you one. Third floor. She should be around here somewhere. Hello? We're here to help you. You need to let us know where you are. I don't hear her. Uh, look around. The fire burned my eyes and nose, but I did my best to scan the floor. Everything was smoke and fire. I had almost given up when I saw Sam looking at the ceiling. The fire had exposed the beams of the rafters and Sam was staring wide-eyed at a spot toward the back of the room. Visit, Sam. I thought... I mean... I think I saw that thing again. Sam, we don't have time for this. Follow me. No, Sam! I know she's over here. There was no time to argue. Sam's hunch was as good as anything, so I followed him to the far side of the room. The smoke and fire continued to rip through the warehouse and I had no idea if we'd be able to get out of the building, if there was still a building to get out of. Over there, behind those shelves. I see her. Lift it off her, and I'll get it out. Hurry up! I got her! Alright, come on! Through the smoke and flames, I saw Sam set down the shelf. I waited for him to make his way back to where I pulled the girl, but instead of moving, he just stood there, staring at the ceiling. I followed his gaze to that spot in the rafters, and it, it was difficult to make out with all the shadows cast by the flames, but there did seem to be something dark moving up there. Something darker than the shadows. Sam! Get out of there! Do you see it? Sam! Do you see it, Jack? Sam! Jack, look out! Oof! Jack, I'm stuck! I'm pinned down! But... but the girl... I'll come back for you, Sam! No, no, Jack! Jack, don't leave! Jack, help me! Jack! I picked up the girl and ran for the fire exit. The blaze was now surrounding me on all sides, and all the while, 
I could hear Sam's cries for help, him begging me to come back for him. But I kept running. And by the time I stopped, I had made it to the street. I handed the girl over to the paramedics, but as I turned to go back for Sam, there was a sudden, earth-shattering explosion inside the factory. Sam. I dropped my knees, gasping for air, until finally, I passed out. When I woke up, I was in the hospital. A soft beep let me know that I was still alive. As my eyes focused, I saw that I was not alone in the room. Officer Flynn was sitting in a chair asleep. I tried to speak, but my throat felt like I had just downed a pack of Lucky Strike. Rookie? Detective Tracer, you're up! What happened? You saved that little girl. She sits on the hall and she's doing just fine. Sam. I'm sorry, sir. You're sure? They recovered Detective Marlowe's body this morning. They... I... Wanted you to have this. Officer Flynn, uh... Mickey... Did they find anything else? Any other bodies? That little girl was the last person in the building, and you got her out. No, th- there was someone else. What do you mean? Sam, he... He saw someone in the factory. Someone led him to the girl. Did you get a look at this person? We can bring someone in. Did you get get a sketch done? No, it... This is gonna sound crazy. It wasn't human. Not human? I think I saw it too. Right before Sam, I saw a black shadow. The same shadow that led Sam to the girl. The same shadow that Sam saw before. Sir? Call me Jack. Jack, what shadow? Do you believe in fate, Mickey? Suppose I do. I never have. I always thought that fate was something people use to make themselves feel better when things go wrong. But now, I don't know. Maybe there is a plan for everyone. Maybe Sam was supposed to help me save that girl. And he died a hero. But why? Why did he need to die? Who makes these decisions? That's a loaded question, Jack. What if... What if there are things out there, things with their fingers on the scales of our lives... Something telling us where to go, what to do, when to die. Jack. Sam didn't need to die. Someone, something made that decision. Maybe you need to get some rest. You're talking about what, a monster? Maybe. Do you know how crazy that sounds? I do, Mickey, I do. 
You really should wait for the nurse. I'm fine. Here. Take this. Your badge? Why? I won't be needing it anymore. What are you going to do? I need answers. I need to know what Sam and I saw was real. I need to know if there was something else out there. And what will you do if you find something? What I couldn't do for Sam. By yourself? For now. But who knows? Maybe I'll need your help someday. I don't quite know what it is you mean to do, but I hope you find what you're looking for. looked down at the remaining badge in my hand. Sam's badge. Detective Marlowe. I nodded at Mickey, put the badge in my pocket, and walked out of the hospital. A lot's changed since that day. I found a new purpose. I discovered that the world is much bigger and much more terrifying than I had ever imagined. I've confronted things that have attempted to swing fate in their dark direction. Yeah, a lot's changed. And I've never forgotten why I'm here. And why I do what I do. Neon Knights, The Arcane Files of Jack Tracer was co-created by Will Snyder and Rachel Craig. The episode, The Case of the Haunted Past, was written by Aaron Sarka and directed by Will Snyder. Theme song was done by Daniel Carl with additional music by Kevin McLeod. Jack Tracer was played by Will Snyder. Sam Marlowe was played by Dustin Napier. Waitress and Employee was played by Cheyenne Fitzpatrick. And Young Mickey Flynn was played by Adam Hobbin. If you are a fan of Neon Knights, The Arcane Files of Jack Tracer, please like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Neon Knights Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Jack underscore Tracer. You can also listen to all episodes on our website, evilkittenproductions.com. Finally, if you like the show, help us grow by giving us a rating and a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening. So, the music was great. I thought it was very professionally put together. I mean, they they obviously edited it and put in the music, and they had everything isolated. It sounded very clean. Yeah, the, everything from, like, the background walla in the diner scene, the street noises, the, the feeling of being in a room, the fire, all of that was really stellar. And... I don't think it made up for some of the inherent problems. Yeah, we were still quiet through most of it, which means, I mean, dramatically we were pulled along, or at least I was, for a good bit of it. Uh, the pacing know. was a little slow, but it's clearly a background intro episode. Yeah. my It's, it's definitely an audio drum. Yes. Yes, it is. Well, I think it's great as an intro because it's a very small sort of a story, so they can always top it. I mean, this guy came in and he saw maybe a shadow 
and that's how he's getting into this thing. But that means that from here on out, everything he can do can be more than the last one. He can go ever deeper, and he doesn't have to worry about, well, this doesn't live up to that first one. Yeah. You know, he's <laughs> only had a tiny taste of the supernatural so far. And that, I mean, I think that gives it most of the dramatic problems because he really goes a bridge too far in his conclusion, I think. Yeah, he's like... Well, my partner died in a fire. Clearly the world is full of goblins. Yeah. So he maybe saw something and then there's a finger hand on the on fate. You know, that's the, I mean, it, it just seems a little bit too much. But at the same I'm, time, you know, it's his first taste. So. My issues weren't really with the actual story setup. That was fine. Okay. It's I, I would expect something with a, a noir feel like this to go a little bit beyond what you'd really expect. Almost into the melodrama, because yeah. that's really genre appropriate yeah my issue was more that the dialogue tended to be kind of stilted and stiff the performance felt more like reading versus people who are actually in the moment especially during the fires yeah Yeah, especially during the fire if i were in a scene like that i'd be trying to make myself sound out of breath because i've been near a big fire before and even if you're not in danger that still gets the adrenaline flowing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 hot. Yeah, they didn't sound panicked enough either. Because when you're in a, a situation that's life or death like that, you're going to be speaking faster. You're going to be um, freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Well, although I feel like if they had a director, then the director was probably telling the lead to slow down because he was being slow and deliberate during his voiceovers. And that sounds nice and laconic and smooth. Sort of. Not necessarily smooth all the time, but he was calm. That but then felt, he needs more range. That felt to me more like what, again, I would expect in noir. Yeah. Because you've got the detective or whatever, generally speaking, over the background information, yeah. giving you that first-person flawed perspective. But at the same time, there wasn't any emotion in the voice. Like when he was talking about Sam dying. I would have expected some sadness, even several years down down the road, because he was there. He saw it happen right in front of his eyes, and he couldn't stop it. Still, the character might be more stoic than, you know, you might be imagining. But it sounded more like he was reading it off of a piece of paper rather than experiencing it in his memory. Yeah, my my thought on the characters was the main character was clearly like your detective trope, and everyone else felt very, very, very stale. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the stoicness is supposed to be part of the character. Yeah, no, the I'm saying, is, like, the detective was just your standard stock detective, and the other characters felt just, like, 2D? Yes. So the problem that I have with the stoic detective as the main character is it felt like everybody except for Flynn, uh, the Irish guy, felt also kind of stoic. When you have a lot of stoic characters in a show, it they don't play off each other properly. It's kind of like having a comedy act full of straight men. Yeah. It's just there's the, no foil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone's the foil. In a world full of foils, no one is the foil. Who's the hand? Uh it sounds like a fencing match. But um tis. I'm not getting it paid enough for this. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, it's funny because we don't make money. Oh. <laughs> womp, womp. Um Yeah, I know. I know what you're feeling because I enjoyed it, but it does, it does feel like it missed a mark on something. Mm. And I think that's part of it is that. So when the cops were just talking to each other in the cop station or the police station, cop station, or like people were just having normal conversations, it didn't sound bad. 
but the parts that are supposed to be more like exciting that was not fully pulled into the the vocals. Well, well I like, also felt like in the scenes between uh, <coughs> Sam and uh, Jack, they're friends, they're partners. They've been working together for a long time. You build up a camaraderie. Like when Tommy and I are bantering back and forth, there's generally a sense of, okay, we're comfortable enough with each other that we can do this and we, we can play into each other. Yeah, we, we, we've yeah, we've accepted that at one point one of us is going to murder the other, and we've just going to kind of run with that. I'm not going to murder you. It's going to be a complete accident. I'll be in another state and have witnesses. So, by the way, that's one of my favorite concepts from any book series was the idea that, um, like, almost a frenemy kind of thing, where you're so good at friends with somebody else that no one else is allowed to kill them but you. Yeah. But, yeah, I know what you're talking about, that there is... Uh, a banter back and forth you guys naturally have because of that. Yeah, watch the intro of any episode of Law and Order, and that's the banter you're getting. It's like those two detectives who are just like shooting one-liners back and forth. And or a lot of gallows humor. Yeah. Or like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great comedy Although, example. Yeah, that's... It's very over-the-top intentionally. That's what makes Brooklyn Nine-Nine great. But not all of Brooklyn Nine-Nine is over-the-top or a comedy. Some of it's actually like legitimate police work and yeah but the banter always feels very over the top but the relationships feel real that's true like uh between uh boyle and uh andy samberg's character whose name is uh, jake jake why am i jake I, peralta brain is just going but it feels like they're friends i don't know if they know each other from adam outside of the show but in the show you can tell that they're close to the point where the little things that annoy them about each other, they can say because they're friends and yeah. it makes sense. I feel like that could be something that gets better over time with mm -hmm. this. Cause if this show is really kind of like getting its legs with this first episode, I feel like issues. Cause was this the first episode though? Yes. Yeah. It sounded like it was a like special flashback episode. That's a very good question. Oh, you're right. It is episode 22. It is a flashback episode. Ah. I think that's why they selected it is because it's oh. kind of a flashback. So these guys are maybe a little more experienced than we would have thought. Yeah, but none of the characters seem to have a lot of, like, the one character sounds like, yeah, you've never heard of him before because he's been dead the whole series. Yeah, yeah that's true. Could be. Hmm. Also, I, I have to bring it up. Why did they go for the stereotyped Irish music and nothing against the guy performing it, but the Poor Irish accent. An Irish accent that was inconsistent, like sometimes just disappeared. In the be beginning, fair, especially. By the end, he yeah. seemed to have it kind of nailed, but it was still not a very good Irish-American accent. Nope. Yeah. yeah, the Irish music added on top of that was a little over the top. Yeah. I, I do kind of wish they'd have been consistent with their choice for the uh, monologuing music so you knew that it was a monologue as opposed to a scene cut. Mm. Because one of those monologues, I actually thought that they had gone to an Irish pub and this dude was saying things there. So that's also one of the things that we liked about a previous episode, The White Vault. Uh, you weren't there for that, Chris. But whenever they did go to the like the narrator outside voice, they had a specific music choice that they went with that. And so you could always tell. Super echoey and creepy. Yeah, well, that, that was supposed to be a creepy show. This is more of a detective drama. I, I have to say, like I said... Ignoring all the performances, dialogue, everything else pushed aside, the atmospherics alone and the music choices really drew me in. And they did go 
a long way to making me want to listen to more of this. Yeah, Solid I mean, production value. And I, I would listen to more. I mean, as I said, I, mean, I was mostly quiet during the thing. I'd be happy to listen to this, nitpicking aside, because, I mean, that's what we're good at when nitpick. But yeah, That's what we're doing. You know, um, aside from that, yeah, no, this was, it was interesting. I'd like to see, especially because the characters didn't have long to develop in this episode, and so they do seem very sort of cardboard cutout. But if you have, you know, a 22, 25 episode run, you know, they could have gone somewhere and I just don't know it. Yeah, I'm also curious about what direction they're going in for the the greater meta plot. One of the things that I do like is you can kind of sniff at the fact this is part of a, a thought out bigger picture. If it's not, if it ends up falling apart, I'll be very upset. But it it feels like it's part of a bigger thing. I don't. Like it sounds like the the format is set up to be like a monster of the week kind of thing, but that's purely a guess on my part. It sounds more like a serialized detective drama to me, where you're getting little bits of the story in a greater arc. This might even be like a between arc flashback episode to explain more things while they're trying to get more episodes of the main story arc worked on, kind okay. of like they do in a lot of anime. I mean, uh, just in case animal. our listeners don't know, we listen to this one blind, so we have no yeah. idea. All of these, actually. There's all a couple of them that I've heard before, but all of these will be blind, so. Uh, ooh, it could be like Burn Notice, where like it's Monster of the Week, except they do a little uh, little overarching plot work every episode. Or Psych, where there's always a pineapple. Oh, the Psych movie came out today. I'm so excited oh, to watch Oh, that's right. So I'm curious whether or not Jack actually gets any supernatural mastery over the course of the show now. Uh, I assume he gets really good at tracing things. Can I throw something at him? No, not while we're recording. I expect like Mastercraft hand turkeys. I am looking at you with a very particular facial expression. It's it's very important you describe that to our listeners. Hand turkeys so beautiful that they could cause tears to fall from a corpse. So beautiful and so delicious looking that people try to eat them. To only to be very disappointed. Yes. Because they're paper. I'm very sad I, that eat and corpse were in very similar sentences. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure you don't want to eat a turkey that's not a corpse. He's got a point. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> oh, God. I just thought of that. It sounds like <laughs> the argument I've had with vegans before. Why do you want to eat that? You're going to turn your body into a graveyard stuffing all those corpses down there. Yeah, but they're delicious corpses. And it's more like a mass grave. Like, there, there's there's no, like, dignity to any of that. I think I it's mean, more it's of a... corpse or compost, really. Yeah, compost yeah. pile, you know. Well, I mean, also, you could follow that up with, instead, I should just put live animals down my stomach, into my stomach. They do that with octopus. Oh, God, don't remind me. I think I've they do it with worms, too. Yeah. The worms go in. Well, there's slimy, a, but satisfying. A couple of restaurants in Japan where they actually serve like live fish. I that sounds awful. <laughs> it is. Or freshly is. slaughtered octopus, which they then use a blowtorch on to char, and it causes the tentacles to just go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, to get all freaky and wiggly. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. People can't see me thrash <laughs> my hands around like a moron. Yes, freaky and wiggly. <laughs> okay. That's that's good. Jerk. Being that we're on an audio thing, we have to say what what's going on. Look, if people can't tell what kind of wild gesticulations I'm making with my hands just by the sound of my voice, then maybe we're doing something wrong. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's Max, put clear. your pants back on. No. 
Oh, my oh goodness. <laughs> it's All that right, time so, of the night, folks. And I want to hear what you have to say, Tommy. Uh, okay, I don't know that I was a big fan of this. I feel like none of the characters really gripped me. Uh, they were a bit stock. As we've said, the production values were fantastic. I think the atmosphere they've created was really good. Enjoyed the music. Um, two out of five detective cliches. Chris? Uh, I actually kind of liked it. I liked where where it seemed like it was going. I liked the premise. I think the acting could have used more range. I think the highs needed to be higher. And, well, actually, the lows needed to be a little bit higher, too. I think they just needed a little bit more energy to sort of pump into it. But, I mean, if, I think if they, they amp this up and they go somewhere interesting, it could be really cool. Max? Well, much as I said for the uh, first episode, where I, I just don't really get into horror, I love noir detective pieces. It it really is one of my favorite genres. And the things that I did like about it, the music, the atmospheric, the basic story elements were enough that I'm probably going to look this up later and listen to some of the back episodes, see where it's going and make my determination based on that. That's fair. But there were, there were flaws and you know, there are going to be flaws in everything. I know that certainly everything I've done has been flawed, but I'm not sure if they're enough to keep me from listening over a period of time. It's enough that it's hooked me to listen more. Okay. I mean, like, so I, I think I'm falling somewhere between the, the two sets of opinions. Um, it was a bit dry, but I don't know if that's to do with the back story aspect of this. I do like the general feeling for this, and I kind of like the character Jack. I like the way that I like Jack, but it's sometimes hard to get behind that level of disconnectedness in a character. That's really what I'm trying to get at. Um, but yeah, I'll probably end up listening to more of this. I'm surprised I haven't before, but usually when I start making arrangements with different groups, I don't try not to listen to any more of the show until actually we've recorded it. Okay, well, so um, any final thoughts? I hate you, Tommy. That's not a final thought. That's a continuous thought. Fair enough. Okay. That was Case of the Haunted Past from the show Neon Knights, The Arcane Files of Jack Tracer. To find out more, go to evilkittenproductions.com. This was Audio Drama Showcase. For more information, go to www.legendsmithproductions.com. Thank you for listening. High five. We made it. I'm actually not saying that for you specifically, but I'm afraid that with some of the other people in our group, there's a very decent chance. It's it's probably a good yeah. thing you said it. I'm not going to look at them directly or anything. What? I dress normally. Yeah, I know. That's true. Hold on. Am I allowed to wear nipple pasties <laughs> under a shirt? Yes. Well, how would we know? I don't know. You as said long as, they, wear them. as long as they don't have spikes coming out. Can I wear nipple pasties on my forehead? No. <laughs> Can he wear nipple pasties over his mouth so we don't have to hear him? No, <laughs> I don't think that would work. It, no. would, it would sort of defeat the purpose for an audio drama.